0: Hello, this is Nick Oswald, welcoming you to this Life Science Marketing Society webinar. The Life Science Marketing Society aims to bring you experiential wisdom, advice, and insight from from fellow marketers across the life sciences industry and beyond. Today's presentation is titled, How to Build Trust and Chemistry, the Building Blocks of B2B Lead Generation, and it's being presented by my good friend, Dan Archer, from the Cactus Agency. You can find more about them at cact.us. As always, we'll have a Q&A session after the presentation, so please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right panel of your screen, and I'll put them to Dan at the end. So now over to you, Dan, for the presentation.
1: Thank you, Nick. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for that intro. Uh, I definitely class myself as beyond the life sciences part of things. Uh, I'm gonna share with you today some recommendations on the importance of building trust in chemistry in B2B. Uh, and why it's a skill you need to master if this is the area you work in. So if you're a baseball fan or even a Brad Pitt fan, you might have seen the film Moneyball. It came out a few years ago, uh, back in 2011. And if you're a statistician or a numbers person, it's probably a film you're going to like and should have a look at. And it follows the story of the Californian-based Oakland Athletics, a team with very low budgets compared to others in the league, Uh, And they're struggling to compete with the bigger teams for players. Brad Pitt plays the general manager, Billy Bean. And whilst he can't compete financially, he does come up with a rather intuitive system uh, of building a squad capable of winning the World Series. So how he does this? He employs data analyst Jonah Hill to analyze the data on players and to really focus on the one thing they're individually good at and what they bring to the team. Clearly, it's a strategy which is met with some a lot uh, of resistance internally but they persist and boil down player contracts to the one thing that matters in baseball which they call getting on base which means basically if you're not a baseball fan it means getting onto one of the bases in the field which really guarantees you points and it's far from plain sailing i won't spoil the film if you haven't seen it uh, but the end result is that you know they build a team assembled from bargain basement price players uh, that is capable for really challenging for the highest accolade in baseball. And in the film, Jonah's character says this line, which really stood out for me, is it reframes the objective entirely. Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. You'll probably be wondering, you know, what this has to do with B2B lead generation. And the answer is this, it makes me think about sometimes having the best players isn't always a formula to success. And actually building a team around core skills, and thinking about what each brings incrementally that will lead to it. You can have the best players in the world, but that doesn't always equal the end result you're aiming for. In business, you can have the best tactics, you can have the biggest budgets, but how you deploy them will make the difference between success and failure, and you're only able to control the variables in between. And for me, I feel this film has got real similarities to B2B lead generation in that catch-all strategies no longer are as effective. And many industries have changed dramatically over recent years, not to mention the attitudes and the behaviors of people in general. And instead, companies have the biggest successes are those that really focus on building long-term relationships. And they use their marketing to instill confidence and trust while showcasing their personalities to build chemistry. Simply having big hitting campaigns and ideas isn't enough but an incremental focus on building trust in chemistry is a better long-term strategy to success. But what do we mean when we say trust in chemistry? You know, Is it one of those terms that gets kicked around a bit meaningless? Is it landfill hyperbola? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think if you're, if you're looking for a service provider or you meet anyone really in any walk of life around anything, you might be buying something, selling, asking for help how that person makes you feel really directly impacts what you think about them and the connection that you have. On a human to human level, someone being on our wavelength can really directly influence how we treat them or how we categorize them. First impressions for me, you know, really do matter. And in B2B business, it's even more important and fundamental. How they're formed is a complex mix of cognitive, emotional, and perceptual processes. And explaining this is probably another talk entirely for someone far more qualified than I am, Uh, but there are things you can do and things you can understand in order to increase the likelihood of stronger impressions when you interact with someone. But there are a few things you should keep in mind that really underpin the importance. Um, If you're watching this back on demand, grab a pencil and jot them down as they're really, really good things to keep front of mind uh, when you're thinking about this. So, you know, one of the first things I'd, I'd make sure is front of mind for you is just remembering that complex decision making exists in B2B. B2B transactions typically involve significant investments and complex decision making processes. And decision makers need to have confidence in the businesses they are considering as potential partners. And trust in your brand and chemistry between your team and the prospect can make that decision making process far more smoother and far more favorable towards your company. So it's really worth keeping that in mind. The second thing uh, I would encourage you to think about is risk mitigation or, or how risk removal impacts things. In B2B, it inherently, inherently involves risk and trust is a really crucial, crucial factor in risk mitigation. When prospects trust your company, they're far more likely to believe in your ability to deliver on promises, meet their needs and provide value. This reduces their perception of risk associated with doing business with you, makes it more likely that they're gonna give you the order, give you the sale, whatever it could be. The third thing is B2B is usually far longer term. Uh, Many transactions are not just one-off deals, but the beginning of long-term relationships and establishing trust and chemistry from the outset can set the tone for productive and enduring partnership. And these relationships can lead to recurring business, referrals, and loyalty. So you do need to keep in mind that the long-term effect of building these relationships and and what we're trying to do in B2B is is not sell for the the short-term, rather we're trying to build uh, build out for the long-term. And that's something to definitely keep in mind. Fourth point I'd make is is the sensitive information that is typically involved as well in, in B2B. In the lead generation phase, prospects may need to share sensitive information about their businesses, challenges, goals, internal things, um, and trust is really essential for them to feel comfortable with sharing this information with your sales and marketing teams. Chemistry can also encourage open uh, and honest discussions, which are really critical for understanding a prospect's needs. So considering that, the data they're going to share with you and how you treat that, it's gonna be really important to the, the long-term relationship you have with them. Um, my kind of final point here is on reducing friction. When there's a high level of trust in chemistry in your interactions, when you're, when you're dealing with people, prospects are generally more receptive to your messages and less resistant to your sales efforts when they feel comfortable with you and there's a good rapport being built. They're more likely to engage in meaningful conversations and consider your solutions more seriously. Most humans, like on any level, will take the path of least resistance. So if you can break down those frictions through building strong rapport, that's gonna have a, a positive effect on the conversations that you have going forwards. Um, a Cactus Insight survey from last year, we spoke to 50 brand side marketeers and over 65% put personality matches and chemistry over experience. And when you think about the marketing society's own report last year, that cited a, a high percent of cl- percentage of clients find agencies probably one of the most clearest b2b service providing sectors specifically first through asking their own network you start to get a real sense of how important being genuine is and how much of a potential differentiator it is for you against the marketplace so a little bit of context there about why it's important how we've arrived at what we have and where we are and the killer question is how how should you approach building rapport with prospective customers in a B2B environment? So I'm gonna give you five things to think about to make this your marketing superpower. So the first one is tailoring your outreach efforts to the specific needs and pain points of each potential lead. Show that you've done your research and understand their business challenges. Personalization really demonstrates your genuine interest and commitment to solving their problems which can foster a sense of of chemistry. Do things like research your prospect before contacting them. Understand their businesses, their pain points, and what's going on in the industry. Show that you've done some background. Show that you care enough to do some due diligence on the market position they're in at the moment. Use the reach of social platforms to get an insight into their personality or style. What are they posting about? What are they liking or sharing? Or who are they following? Just a quick perusal of someone's Twitter, or LinkedIn, or Instagram, if they've got it open, can give a deeply personal insight into that person's mindset, their opinions, behaviors, and attitudes. And thirdly, segment your audience. Don't be afraid to split them up into buckets. A one-size-fits-all approach rarely works in B2B. So tailor your messages to suit clusters if you can't do it one-to-one. I guess in summary there, don't generalize anything. Make everything contextual to the individual you're talking to. My second point is around transparency and honesty and being transparent about what your company can offer and any limitations is gonna go a long way to and rapport. Avoid making exaggerated claims uh, or promises you can't fulfill. Honesty and transparency built by trust, by setting realistic expectations and showing your integrity, showing your intent. Um, and this, is, this can be demonstrated through things like clear communication, Be clear and straightforward in your communications and all comms. Avoid jargon or overly complex language. Clearly explain your products and services, your pricing structures, your terms and conditions, and any potential limitations. Transparency begins with clear, understandable communication, so keep that in mind. Be honest as well about limitations. No business is perfect. We're all human, businesses are run by humans, and it's okay to acknowledge your limitations. If there are certain areas where your product or service might not meet a client's needs, be honest about it. Honesty about your limitations really demonstrates integrity and it helps manage client's expectations. Uh, and, you know, you can reach a, a point where you might be the best fit. You might, have, you might not be the entire end-to-end solution, but if you've built enough rapport, you've built enough trust in chemistry and you've demonstrated enough experience, you could still be taken on for a certain part of that. Sharing testimonials as well in case studies and make them focused on the process, not just the outcome is another thing you can do. Whilst outcomes are important, trust in chemistry will be built by demonstrating how you go about things and what the client experience will be like. Real life feedback from lookalike peers, so people who match your prospects who you've worked with before, will add further credibility to you and your business. So thinking about how you can share past experiences, not just the outcomes, not just what was achieved, but the process you went through, how people felt during that time, it can be an extremely emotive uh, way to demonstrate this. The third one is consistent communication and being consistent in everything you do. Ensure you have a consistent and responsive comms approach. Respond promptly to questions, provide regular updates, and keep people informed throughout any process you're going through. I think the consistency and responsiveness uh, of uh, signals of reliability and professionalism, which really does contribute to trust. Make a plan. What will a communication schedule look like? Don't make it too macro, but also don't overkill it either. Don't go, don't go to the nth degree with everything like that because people just can't keep up, they're busy enough. How often will you provide a status or project update? You know, make it clear. Create feedback loops internally and externally and ensure thoughts and opinions, whether they're positive or negative are heard straight away and actioned as soon as possible Um, and another good tip to do here is to ensure you document everything as well having a strong audit trail of meetings approvals key events along the way will ensure there's clarity and order to everything as well Uh, and also then any any misinterpretation or any misunderstandings can very quickly cleared up point four is share valuable industry insights white papers or educational content, this can all help to leads to solve that this can all help leads solve their business challenges even before they come paying customers, Providing valuable information, positions your company as a trusted advisor and builds chemistry by showcasing your experience. So you can do this through understand client needs, take time to understand your client's business, industry challenges and goals. Conduct in-depth research to identify specific pain points they might be facing. This understanding really does form the basis for offering targeted solutions and valuable insights. So again, it links into being specific and personalization. Offering customized solutions is also really important here. Tailoring your products or services to meet the specific needs of each client. Avoid offering generic solutions. When your clients see that you have a carefully crafted solution that directly addresses their challenges, they recognize the value you bring Consultative selling really does go a long way here. Uh, and what, how you approach this being consultative means you're considering the longer term future and the knock on effect of what you're proposing to that client or to that prospect. So it's well worth customizing what you do. Try and avoid as much off the shelf as possible because off the shelf, as we say before, one size fits all rarely works. Um, and don't be afraid to offer free resources either. You know, offer some value and benefit upfront before necessarily a sale is made. Create and share free resources such as ebooks, white papers, webinars or toolkits that offer valuable information related to your client's industry or common challenges. And these resources, they not only demonstrate your expertise, but they also provide value to prospects. And by being generous with them as well and sharing some value up front, free value up front, that's reflected on that's reflected on you. And it says a lot about a business or a person's or a person's personality that they're willing to give away uh, a level of value before anything's been signed or happened. So it's well worth considering how you can give value and benefit up front. Um, And my last point kind of feels obvious, but it never ceases to amaze me how robotic people can really seem in B2B. Focus on building genuine relationships rather than just trying to close deals. Invest time in getting to know your leads as individuals, understand their goals, Empathize with their challenges. Building relationships fosters chemistry as people are more likely to do business with those they like and trust on a personal level. Doing things like simply being authentic. Avoid scripted conversations or question-flow conversations. So if this, then that, then I'll ask this. Avoid those and make it a lot more natural. Uh, Tell stories. Don't be afraid to tell stories, not just about the product or service and its impact on other businesses, but relatable personal insights. This vulnerability almost and openness is recognized by even the most hardened prospect. So it's well worth giving a little bit of a look behind the curtain and share some personal insight because that really will help people to trust and empathize with you. And that's gonna build confidence and trust outwardly. And be empathetic. Try and put yourself in the prospect's shoes and understand their day. Take time at the start of a call or meeting to ask about them. Don't be afraid to use light humor, it breaks down barriers. Appreciate that if someone turns up, they seem a bit cold, they don't seem particularly in a, in a good mood like they don't want to be here. The fact they've turned up and they're having this call or meeting with you suggests they are interested in what you want to say, but there's probably other factors which have affected their day, personal and professional. So be empathetic towards the fact that we're all human, we've all got backgrounds, we've all got stuff going on, and don't let that influence how you perceive someone in the moment. Above all, I would say, listen, not with intent to reply, but rather to understand. People generally talk too much and listen too little. If you ask a question, listen to the response. Don't just go through the motions uh, of it. So to make relationship building your superpower, there's five things I want you to do, if nothing else. And you can do these tomorrow. You can start these on your next prospect call. You can start to employ these. Personalize your outreach. Take time to get to know them and their business. No template responses. We don't want to see them. Be transparent and honest. Be open. Don't fudge it. Don't lie whatever you do. You'll get caught out. There's no point in it. Just be open and honest. Consistent communication. Have a structure. Don't be spurious or sporadic with how you communicate. Be consistent. Offer value and insight. Be generous with resources that will help in advance of any sale. It'll be recognized pay it forward, it'll come back to you further down the line, I promise you. And finally, make it human, show your personality, don't be a robot, I bet you've got a sparkling personality, let it shine through and enjoy talking to people. After all, B2B is a very personal, it's a very human to human business medium. So that's something we should think about. If you enjoyed listening to this, feel free to give me a follow, you can give it a little scan on the screen to take you through. If you didn't, just don't tag me in any posts that are slating it. I hope you find this useful. Remember, be a human, don't be a robot. And if you're still watching this far, thank you very much indeed.
0: Thank you, Dan. That was very interesting. I'm going to, this is going across bite-sized bio with that talk. (laughs) It's really the most interesting thing that popped out to me about that at the end was that you can talk about B2B or B2C or whatever. In the end, it's human to human. And that, those, yeah. those, those points that you're making at the end there could just as easily be
1: relationship advice or, you know, anything human to human. It's, it's exactly, it's, you're exactly right, Nick. It's exactly that. Human to human, uh, B2B, B2C, all these terminals we use. Ultimately, in business, we're dealing with people. It's, in B2B, it's like, it's like dating. It's like dating. You know, you, you're getting to know someone. You're uncovering what you like and you don't like about each other. Um, and there's almost a level you get to, a level of acceptance where you naturally feel what's working with someone and what's not. Yep. And hopefully you've got the emotional intelligence to realize if you if you align with someone in one area, but you don't in another, you focus on the positives, you focus on what matches and what doesn't. Uh, and that can go such a long way to building build great relationships. You think in any walk of life, the relationships you built, there's things every day, family, friends, partners, whatever. There's things that perhaps you don't agree on. There's things you don't necessarily uh, get along with or have the same view on. You tend not you tend not to engage in those things, and you focus on the things where there's similarities, where there's crossovers. Uh, if all else fails, go for the old technique of mirroring and just mirror the other person uh, and go through that way. So, good old good old t- trick at the end
0: there. I guess that a lot of it comes into down to in the end what's your intent. Because if you're looking at B2C, you know, already B2C, it's like you're hovering around, you know, this is going to be a person you're going to get money from, right? It's easy to look at it that way. And then if that is your intention, then it comes out. But if you come in with the intention of doing the things you've said here, of, you know, basically helping them as a person in the role that they're in,
1: then um, I guess this should should flow naturally or, or not. Yeah, it does. It's it's less transactional. B two B is less transactional than you find generally in B two C, and in B two B, by understanding the individual, uh, what their what their maybe their behaviours or attitudes are, or what motivates them, and you know you can play to those. When you uncover those things, you can play to those. Sometimes, if you're going to engage with someone, it's not necessarily about you think about the higher user need. If you're if you're working with some, if you're trying to engage someone at a a business and you're offering a, a, a solution. To a problem they have, you know, thinking about not just, am I going to deliver a return on investment? That person needs, you know, needs to be justified internally how that's worked. But will you make the person look good? Is there a good chemistry fit? Is that person going to enjoy coming to work every day? Are they going to dread your calls or dread the meeting they've got with you? Um, Are they going to, are they worried about you going to fail on your promises and default on things and make them look silly internally in their business? So just thinking about the motivations of humans, how can I make that person look good? How can I make sure that they're going to enjoy taking my calls and we have a good rapport, as well as being really good at what we do in terms of the service we're offering or whatever you know product they might be buying. So yeah, thinking about them on an individual level and and how you can support them and what they're trying to achieve out of out of this relationship as well is a is a really valid thing. Yeah. And again, it's all about focus, isn't it? What is your focus? Is it the sale or is it that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's having that it's having that objective in mind and keeping that then what are we trying to achieve here? What are you trying to achieve? What are they trying to achieve? And if you're a good fit, you'll both be able to meet your achievements in the middle. Good, okay. Um, you mentioned,
0: you talked about uh, offering, um, you know, solutions and uh, and content and things in advance for free to build the relationship and Cactus are really good at that from what I've seen. Um, what are sort of some of the
1: sort of things that, that you guys do? to do that yeah so we we give away give a giveaway is is quite a is quite a drastic term for it but you know call it what it is that's what a lot of us do in b2b we give away certain value up front to demonstrate knowledge demonstrate understanding and to you know make someone go oh they've given me that that's great that, they've really helped me i like them for doing that uh you know we give away in lots of different formats we give away um tips and advice in terms of you know short calls short bits of insights perspectives on stuff We'll make an observation around some of our our clients' industries or their businesses and say, you could change this thing and do this. So it might not be things they've necessarily brought to us. We'll take things proactively to them. That's a good thing to do in B2B is be quite proactive uh, Mm -hmm. with taking things to people. So if you're you're prospecting a company that you'd really like to work with, you'd be a really good fit. By taking something to them by saying, we've noticed this within your business or we think this might be a problem or there's a trend going to happen which might disrupt your business further down the line. We've got our perspective on that. Furthermore, we've got maybe a solution that might help you. Being upfront with that can almost lead to the the pitch without winning mentality, whereas you become the one in the room to offer them a solution to the problem that maybe they don't know they have further down the line. Yeah, That's where you get into consultive selling, where you really understand the business. You're looking further ahead than just the thing they brought to you. And you're thinking about the higher needs of that business or that individual. So you can be proactive with what you propose. Further down the line, in the end, it's again just like any relationship, really, isn't it? You you,
0: you don't give with the intention of getting back; you just give, and then yeah. and then it reciprocates. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer that you know you've pay it forward. If you you know if you if you be generous with your time, you get known for that, and you become you become known for it. Yeah, yeah I think it's probably a better word for it. You you, you people recognize you for being for being generous generous generosity is a very warm trait Uh, so people will people will see you as warm that and people move around even the biggest industries in the world very quickly become very small industries where reputation becomes everything i'd much rather have a reputation for dan gives away a lot of value gives a lot of stuff for free i could probably go and get you know 20 minute free call him that could solve some of my problems that's fine i would rather have that than be perceived as a very cold Money oriented individual who won't give anything away unless I'm being paid for it. I could, of course, go that way, but I don't believe in that. I don't believe that's that's the way I should maybe conduct myself. For example, so I really focus on giving away value, helping people, knowing that it'll come back to me eventually. It'll be it'll be paid forward enough down the line, uh, and I will benefit from that eventually. And you know, ultimately, we're all humans. Just want to help each other. I think there's enough there's enough going on in the world uh, to not need to be particularly too cold in business. It's an interesting point you made at the beginning about. So,
0: if, if this is the end goal that, that you're going to use, um, you need people in your team then to have the core skills that enable them to build confidence, trust, chemistry. Then that really influences your recruiting strategy. Then, because it is it's so easy to just look at past experience or where they've fitted in elsewhere, but that's you're looking for much more personal qualities there then.
1: You are, yeah, and this is where it takes, you know, leaders of of uh, of businesses who are who are assembling teams who you're expecting to go out and do that to make sure they've got the right individuals on the team. Understanding, okay, what's our what's the values and culture of our external sales proposition? How are we going to market? How are we perceiving ourselves? How do we want to be perceived? What's the what's the culture and and value and how do we define that? And that then starts to re- define your hiring strategy around what individuals you're looking for how they conduct themselves on a one-on-one basis how they support each other as well yeah. um, you know in, in b2b often you've got multiple touch points with different people in the team so you want to make sure there's consistency within your team with how you're talking to your prospective clients make sure they're having the same the same uh customer experience and, this, and the same brand experience uh, as they had whether they're talking to person a b or person c so that the, the onus falls on falls on you then to make sure you're assembling that team that can do that and can deliver that consistent experience and i guess you're also
0: you also have to then set set in place the internal culture that this is your collective aim as well as you know an individual one
1: yeah it does it sets your it sets your cultures and values internally um, and that can then drive what your employee value proposition looks like so how you recruit uh, people into the team um, what sort of traits you look for what sort of personalities um, not just what you what you outbound prospect, I.e. when you go out and look for people to join the team, but you have the right types of people coming in saying, "I'd like to work with you. I'd like to get, you know, I'd like to join your team." Yeah, fantastic. Well, Dan, that was very useful. I I, I think this is going to be a a much replayed one. <laughs> um, I will. You're very you're very welcome. Uh, and if anyone wants to uh, wants to connect with me, feel free to do so. Uh, and I'm more than happy. Yeah, give up some free value. Absolutely, yeah. And from personal experience, I can absolutely vouch for the the value
0: that you bring, Dan. So, thank you um, very much. We really appreciate it. Lots uh, of new followers from this. So, um, thanks as well to the audience for taking the time to attend and listen in. If you enjoyed this webinar, please check out our other upcoming and on-demand webinars from fellow life science marketers at LifeScienceMarketingSociety.org, and don't forget to tell your colleagues about the Life Science Marketing Society. So. Goodbye, Dan. And until next time, everyone, good luck in your work and goodbye from all of us at the Life Science Marketing Society.